welcome to the Hell of a Catholic podcast. I'm uh, I'm John Wheeler. I'm your loyal podcasting coordinator for this uh, semester, and I'm here today with Mackenzie, our faith formation uh, director, I guess. Yeah. Hi. And then we have two uh, two folks right here, Marie. Hi. And Aiden. Aiden. Yes, yeah. Marie Thompson and Aiden Anderson. Uh, both of whom came into the church last Easter, and yay, congrats to them. Um, so we're here to talk about RCIA and like what it is, and then talk about like uh, Marie and Aiden's experiences uh, going through that process and whatnot. Um, so Mackenzie, do you want to give us like kind of a round, rundown of like what RCIA is? What, is what, what does it stand for? What is it? What does it entail? Who is it for? Yes, so um, RCIA stands for the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. Um, it's for anyone who's looking to enter the Catholic Church um, as an adult, receive their sacraments, either coming from a Protestant background or for no religious background at all, or growing up Catholic but never received communion, never was confirmed. Uh, so it's for a lot of different types of people, but it's for anyone who's looking to receive the sacraments of the church or is interested in receiving the sacraments or learning more. Um, yeah, and the idea for this episode is to, like John said, talk about RCA and hear the insights of two people who went through it this past year. Um, we're kind of hoping that this episode um, is a help to both the community, um, the Catholic Center community, on how to accompany people uh, either as a sponsor or just as a part of the Catholic Center community who are discerning Catholicism um, and going through RCAA, and then also as a help to people who are thinking about RCAA or this upcoming class of what to expect and um, how to discern well, and yeah. Cool, and um, I guess what we can talk about logistics later. Um, does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so now we can move into personal testimonies. Uh, who wants to start? Ladies first. Ladies first. All right. Um, Marie, do you want to just give us a little bit of background? Like, who are you and whatnot? Maybe your major, hometown, whatever. And then, like, your personal testimony. Like, where were you before RCIA? What brought you to the Catholic Center and to into the church? All right, so in the past couple of months, I've had a lot of people ask me, Marie, how did you become Catholic? And my answer is always, how much time do you have? <laughs> so I'm going to keep it brief for you guys. Um, but yeah, so I'm Marie. Um, I actually just graduated from Georgia Tech with my degree in biomedical engineering. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina, but now I work here in Atlanta doing medical device stuff. So you'll see me wandering around in scrubs all the time. Um, I've been a part of the Catholic Center through... Um, the choir. So if anyone comes to the 1130 mass, um, you will hear me singing um, and trying to keep all of my people in line. <laughs> but um, I guess how I ended up here was during the fall that COVID had us all sequestered in our dorms and taking classes online. I was looking for a place to worship because my whole life I'd been um, Protestant Christian and my faith had been really important to me. But online church just really wasn't cutting it, and I was just feeling very dead inside. Um, and so I was looking for a place to worship, and one of my, a lot of my friends were Catholic, and so someone said, hey, like, come to the CC with me, um, and you can worship there. 
I found that the worship was beautiful and similar, pretty similar to what I had grown up with in a very traditional sense. And so I, I had my mental barriers up so that none of this Catholic nonsense would seep in. And yet over the next year or so, I became involved in the choir and I'm also a fairly argumentative person. So I would have a lot of conversations with um, a lot of my friends. And then when they couldn't answer my questions satisfactorily, I would end up talking to Father Branson and anybody else I could find who was willing to sit down and have coffee with me. Um, the more that I discussed with people, I became you know, more, more intrigued and want, wanted to read more about what the, these people were saying to me. I went home for the summer and, you know, really tried to ignore all of the thoughts I had about the Catholic Church. And then when I came back, I ended up with my friends again. And then I got the announcement about RCIA signups. And I was like, oh, man, that seems stressful. And that same day, um, uh, Father Paul, who was somebody who had, he was a deacon here um, the year before, and I had grilled him a couple of times when we had become close. And he texted me. He was like, hey, I've just been praying for you and thinking about you recently. I'm like, man, on the same day as the announcement? Like, that seems, what's going on here? But I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I'll, you know, there's no commitment. I can just go to the classes and try to learn some more. And then Caitlin, who ended up being my sponsor for RCIA, was like, man, you have a lot of questions. Why don't you just read about this? So she got me a catechism. And for anyone who doesn't know, the catechism is a really fat, like, 800-page book with all the things that, you, that the Catholic Church teaches. Like, okay, cool, I'm reading the whole thing. Which is, first of all, not an expectation and fairly unreasonable. But I never said I was reasonable. <laughs> um, so I started reading it. And just over time, things just really started to click. The key moment when I, I knew, I knew it, was, it was time was um, right before finals. And for, for a while I had been thinking, you know, some, a lot of this makes sense. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. Um, but I kind of been praying and telling God like, Hey, if this is real, you're going to need to be real obvious about it. Cause I'm not going to tell my family that I'm, you know, converting or changing everything about my life. If you're not real clear, which making ultimatums with God is not a great idea, but you know, that's where I was. Um, so then, you know, I was reading through my catechism, I was take, taking a break from studying fluid and solid mechanics, as one does, um, and I was reading about the Eucharist, and there's just a passage by St. Ambrose in there that was just really what I had been looking for, just very clear about the, just how Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, and it was what I, it was this historical passage I'd actually been looking for for months, and so I was stoked, and I texted Caitlin, my sponsor, I was like, hey, look at this, like, this is what I've been looking for, and she just responds, it's his feast day today, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, like, there's, you know, if you watch NCIS, Ancient Kim's always says there's no such thing as a coincidence, I was like, there's no such thing as a coincidence here, um, so that's just a really cool, really powerful moment where I was like, okay, I feel, I feel like God's reaching out to me right now, and I asked, and he delivered, at that point, I was like, all right, this is happening, I'm converting, there's still some stress involved. I had, you know, I was nervous to tell my family, but they ended up responding really well. And, you know, Holy Week ended up being one of the most beautiful times of my whole life. And then I got to receive Jesus. The end. Okay, Aiden, your turn. All right. That's <laughs> going to be a tough one to follow. Um, 
we seem to have pretty different stories coming into the church, which probably helps, contributes to the episode. Mm. Um, so my name's Aiden. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Spent most of my life in between Wisconsin, Oregon, and Georgia. And growing up, my family was nominally Protestant. Now, most of my family's Lutheran, um, but there was never a strong distinction made. It was pretty much we're not Catholic was half the identity. Um, the theology was never of too much importance. And coming into college, I was one of those freshmen that wanted to hit the ground running and just you know get done with school as fast as possible, go on into the workforce and be the next Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, you <laughs> insert rich, famous person. And I quickly fell on my face and that it was very clear that that was not going to be happening. Um, it was, college was a little disappointing coming in, just expectation versus reality. There was a really big delta on uh, every facet of life. And it was a pretty low point in my life. The kind of low point that got me questioning the, like the big questions in life about what's the meaning behind this? Like, why am I working so hard to get an extra 10th of a GPA point? Um, what, what do I ultimately want on my deathbed? Like the, what will I be happy about that I pursued? And one of the realizations I had was, okay, well, if there's a creator, and usually when someone creates something, like writes a poem or a story, there's an intention there. I was like, is there a creator? And I'd never really grappled with that before, but I went on to YouTube and started watching a lot of debates between atheists, the new atheist movement, and theologians of all stripes. And I wasn't really satisfied with the atheist questions. They seemed to be pretty repetitive. Um, and when you looked at their lives, it just didn't seem like they were well-ordered. And it didn't take very much for me to believe that a creator existed. And I mean, most people in the world believe in a creator. Most people are religious around the world. So then I was like, well, which religion is true? So then it was YouTube debates about which religion is true, like Christianity versus Judaism versus Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, trying to be as open-minded as possible. And again, the logical story was pointing towards Christ. So it's like, okay, well, I'm a Christian. Back to square one. I was pretty nominal. And it was, well, there's three major sections of Christianity. There's the Protestants, the Catholics, and the Orthodox. Back to the debates. That ruled out Protestantism pretty quick. I, the basis, solo scriptura, um, everything being based off the Bible, um, solo fidelis, like the tenets of it, I didn't, I didn't think held up very well in under scrutiny. So then it was Orthodox versus Catholicism, and that discernment process lasted about a year, and I really struggled between the two, and. I never really made a strong effort to pursue one or the other. I didn't end up entering RCIA or whatever the Orthodox um, process is. And there's not even Orthodox church that's very close by, but as you can tell by the story to this point, it's a very intellectual uh, conversion process. Like I wanted to order my life correctly. So I was going to logically try to pursue the most well-ordered religion. And at this point in the, time enters one of my close friends, Todd. And Todd sounds like a very generic name, but he is a very authentic guy. And we would debate back and forth. I was 
arguing in favor of orthodoxy where I was leaning, and he was very ardently pro-Catholic. And he was responsible for a conversion of heart where I was no longer thinking about the logical and I was opening my mind to the, the community, the, the faith, the softer elements, because um, God doesn't exist purely in like a logically deductive form. There's community is a big part of it, spirituality. Um, and walking with Todd for many, many months, I started to, I found my heart softening to the Catholic faith, which I was once kind of ardently opposed to, um, mainly to be edgy because so many of my friends were Catholic. I wanted to be counterculture, but walking with him, I had a conversion of heart. My roommate was walking along on this journey and started going to RCIA. We got ingrained in the, in the community, doing community dinners, um, going to a lot of the apologetics events, the dances, the, and we really fell in love with the, the community here. And it was really interesting that coinciding with that period of time, the intellectual and the logical parts fell into place. And the last thing I'll leave on is a famous quote by a saint in the Catholic Church. Uh, Thomas Aquinas says, to those with faith, no evidence is needed, but to those without faith, no evidence will, su- will suffice. Mm. And once I developed that faith, then I was no longer looking for reasons to not be Catholic. And much like Marie, like the Easter vigil when I came into the church was one of the loudest, proudest, happiest moments of my life. Um, yeah, so I think that's a good, yeah, gives us a lot to talk about between the two of too. us. Yeah, thanks. Very beautiful, both of you. Um, so, yeah, now we wanted to um, move on to talking kind of specifically for someone, uh, maybe someone coming in like the same position you were at pre RCA classes. Um, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, and what did, were there any expectations you had pre RCA? that um, was changed? Um, Were there any specific difficulties, maybe family things, uh, relationships with friends that you didn't expect? Any difficulties you were afraid might be there? Like Marie, you said something about your family that ended up not being true. Uh, What were some of the most beautiful parts? Just if someone came to you and they're telling you they're about to enter RCIA, what would you say to them? Well, Everybody is very different. Um, Coming at Georgia Tech, a lot of us are, in fact, engineers and do approach the world in a very logical way. I mean, Aiden and I both had that going for us where we were both trying to find the facts first. But I think that there's something to that of there are so many resources available to you. Um, Take advantage of them. Um, Huge proponent of the catechism. Uh, I had tons of questions and the catechism of the Catholic Church is stock full of answers. Um, if you have questions, I mean, you can only you can just look at a specific section, or you know, ask somebody, hey, like, do you know where I could find something about this? I'm really curious. Go and read about it. Um, and then beyond that, um, and like writings of um, different church fathers, or even just you know, literally like current priests. Um, beyond that, I would say, if you have a sponsor in mind. Um, spend as much time with them as you can and ask them as many questions as you can. Oh, you know, try to find someone who has a similar personality type to you and that's going to approach the faith and your 
your challenges in a similar way so they can be a support to you. If you don't have a sponsor in mind, that's totally fine. Um, if you don't know anyone in the Catholic Church yet, that's totally cool. Um, there, the people on the team will welcome you with open arms and will help find somebody to for you to work with as your sponsor. But kind of dive into that relationship and um, at, at its base, the church is a family. And so find a brother or a sister who really can, yeah, be an older brother, be an older sister and can guide you through all the potential challenges because there are, I mean, things are hard. Like you're, if, if this is true, then this, then Catholicism is the core of who we are. And if you're looking at the, looking at the core of yourself and the core of everything you believe is not something that's easy necessarily. So take the chance, like, Read all you can, listen to all you can, just go to mass with an open mind and sometimes just absorb. Don't I, I'm the world's largest overanalyzer. It's the <laughs> thing listed top on my resume. Um, but sometimes you, you gotta <laughs> But sometimes it's worth um, trying to just breathe mm. and see what see what you're encountering. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah. I'd echo that really strongly. Um, One of the strongest pulls for me in the direction of Catholicism against what I was raised as was the tradition of the church. And when I was first encountering Catholicism, I first went to Mass all by myself, Mm -hmm. and I did not understand one lick about the traditions. I walked in, and I thought I was in a cult, like, I didn't know. I was used to growing up, there'd be like projectors and they'd give you a handout with like what to say when. And I, I went in and everyone was standing and sitting. They knew exactly when to do it, but there's no cue to do it. They knew exactly what to say. And I was like, where are you reading this from? So I was flipping through everything I could get my hands on, couldn't find it. And I was just felt so out of place. And you know, one of the most beautiful things about the church is that the traditions that we partake in today are traced back 2,000 years. It's really beautiful when you think about anything lasting that long. And one of the most helpful things for me in developing my faith was learning to understand where those traditions come from Mm. because you can appreciate them and you can appreciate... Your faith becomes so much more rich when you understand what it is you're partaking in. There, There is a certain bliss to ignorance, but when it comes to seeking God, you have to seek, like, how is it that you're interacting with him? And if you don't understand that, then it kind of puts an obstacle between you and God. And what Marie was saying about reading the church fathers, reading the modern day priests, um, to have a good understanding for what you're entering into, it really, really deepens your appreciation for the mass. And it becomes more prayerful, more beautiful, and less robotic and mechanical, mm-hmm. which was one of my main attractions into the church, is that is that the beauty of the tradition therein. So what Marie said, finding a friend to walk with through this, to take you to Mass, to explain it, um, reading on websites like New Advent that has collections of writings from church fathers and saints and the like, that it transforms the way that you perceive the events that you're partaking in. And yeah, definitely definitely recommend doing that. It'll change everything for you, guaranteed or your money back.
I want to say two really like beautiful things about both of your stories and just two things that really inspire me about both of you as people but in your stories too is like how seriously you took this you didn't like if Catholicism is true and neither of you came in with this thought of like this is definitely true you had questions but if this is true it's worth finding out if it's true it's worth like it's worth risking and like you with Father Branson this like strange child looking priest <laughs> <laughs> uh, like sitting out and like grilling him and I actually like you, that's a bit of a uncomfortable situation to put yourself in but it's like if this is true it's worth being a little uncomfortable and worth taking the time and I remember the first time I met Aiden and his roommate um, who he's referring to it was at an apologetics class that I was helping teach and these two came um, with like full of questions and asked them and to like show up at a Catholic apologetics night where you're probably going to be the only non-Catholics there and to put yourself like in that position again like it's it's a risk but the courage and the honesty with which like both of you pursued the truth, whatever the truth may be, uh, is really, really beautiful. Um, and I know Father Branson says this uh, a lot, but if there's a hypothesis that you're trying to test, like Catholicism, the hypothesis of Catholicism, you can't test it like in your head. Um, like I, I work in a lab and when I come up with a hypothesis, I can't just think about it real hard and then decide if it's right or not. You have to actually like put your lab coat on, put gloves on and like test it out. And both of y'all did that. And I think, like, that's something you both referred to, too, of, like, finding a friend and talking and going to Mass and if reading the Catechism, like, actually investing in this question because it's a question worth asking. So Yeah, and I think just don't get intimidated. If you do come to Mass, you're like, why the heck are people sitting, standing, and saying words that I, like, what's happening? Yes, it can be, it is a little intimidating. I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, but try not to assume that everyone there thinks you're stupid because you don't know when to sit, stand, and you're a little delayed. Literally, no one cares. Very true. Literally, if you just want to sit in the back and not kneel or stand, like, fine. That's totally cool. I did that for a long time. Just, like, like no one's judging you. It might seem like, oh, I'm the only person that's, like, 0.2 seconds late standing up. No one cares. Just, like, t- take a shot. And don't be afraid. And yeah, find a buddy, and they can they can help you. And if they don't help you, then come find me. <laughs> I think going back to what Mackenzie said about the hypothesis, if the Catholic or even the Christian hypothesis is true, then you have to allow the implications of that to be borne out in your life. Christ is either, and Christianity is either the most important thing in our lives and in the world, if it's true. And... I think you have to have this openness to transformation mm-hmm. and not just go through the process, but let, if there's a contradiction between how you're living your life, the jokes you're telling, how you spend your free time, the people you're hanging around, if that's directly contradicting, contradicting the teachings of Christ, of the church fathers, and of the general morality, you have to be open to re-examining your choices, um, re-examining your lifestyle because you don't want to be living out a contradiction. That's just psychologically mm-hmm. going to result in a lot, of, a lot of stress for you that's undue. So I think one of the experiments that I did taking a very logical approach was if I spend time living out the most Christian life I possibly could with what I knew at the time, would my life be better? Would I feel more connected? Um, would I feel any connection to the faith? And to me, the answer was a resounding yes. There was an order to my life. 
um, that I didn't have previously, like a certain meaning and fulfillment. But it takes a certain op openness to reform how you see the world in order to order your life properly to engage with Christ and with God. And uh, I think that that openness and to knock, to ask, to, to seek, those are core tenets of exploring conversion. Can I definitely speak more to, um, I know at one point you brought up the um, questions and also maybe fears about family and uh, yeah, speaking of something's the core, it's going to be difficult. Were there, what was maybe the most difficult thing? Like going into RCIA, what was like just honestly difficult? Okay, so little quick backstory was that my dad was actually raised Catholic, but kind of fell away from the church due to some life events that happened. And when he and my mom were considering getting married, my mom goes, we're going to raise our kids Protestant, take it or leave it. So, you know, here I am. Um, and to be clear, my dad and my mom are now some of the most godly people that I know, and I am eternally grateful for the fact that they raised me knowing Christ. So let's start there. Um, but I also knew that because of my dad's history and what kind of my family's view of the Catholic Church, if I converted, there were going to be some conversations because mm -hmm. I'm very, you think I'm very analytical and potentially argumentative? I got it honest. <laughs> um, so I was a little nervous to tell my family, but then also they, God is good. Let's just start there. God is really good. Um, yeah, there were some challenging conversations. Yeah, there were some, are you sure about this? How is this going to impact our, you know, your future? Uh, like, what if, like, what happens when you have kids? And there's grandkids that are Catholic and the grandparents are Protestant. I was like, I'm so far from that. I don't even know. Um, but the reality was that God is good, Jesus is king, and from there all, like, Christian and human love, like, flows from that, and I think that, like, the, my parents ended up seeing that, like, my faith was stronger than it had ever been, my love for Christ was more evident than it had ever been, and there was some sort of joy and peace that had been missing for many, many years, and, um, yeah, well, I still have some really interesting conversations with my family, um, it's been really beautiful to get to, yeah, share this journey with them. They came to the Easter Vigil, and were just so loving and supportive, and I was super excited that they came. You know, they had to travel, so that was great. And, yeah, like, God used them intentionally. That God is a gift that I was raised by my parents in the way that I was, and it can be scary. Like, it's, uh, inevitably, it is scary to tell your parents that you're converting to a different denomination or to the Catholic Church, but I think there's a peace and grace that mm. came from above that I could not have anticipated. Beautiful. We're just going to pause real quick because I got to replace the battery. <laughs> so I'm going to go run and get one. Okay. Well, oh, okay. back at it. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was kind of what we wanted to say to um, people who are considering entering RCA, things to uh, expect, what the experience is like, and just advice from people who have done it. 
Um, yeah, I feel like a big takeaway from me from both y'all stories and from what y'all shared about the difficulties and whatnot is just to put yourself in a position where you can actually verify if this is true for your life, that there are going to be difficulties there, but if this is God's will, there'll be grace there, kind of like what Marie was saying about her family, and to just take the next steps as God reveals them, and to be courageous and yeah, bold. So now we're going to move on to uh, some things about the community as a whole. I know there are like a lot of questions, like John and I talked about them mm-hmm. when we were deciding what <clears throat> podcast to make uh, for this semester. People want to know how to uh, walk with people, how to evangelize, how to just be a community that welcomes people in. And uh, there are ways the community does it well now here, and there are ways we could improve. Um, so from both of y'all's experiences, um, maybe Amy, you want to share first, how was the community uh, helpful for you as you were walking? Uh, maybe your sponsor, but also just the community as a whole, and how could the community improve? Yeah, so I'd say both answers are the same. Um, and it all comes down to, to love. My roommate and I, when we started engaging with the Catholic Center, it was very evident early on that there was a lot of love between people here at the Catholic Center, a genuine care for the other. And it was, it was palpable when you're observing interactions or you're interacting with others yourself. It's very different from the communities that we were running in prior to coming to the Catholic Center. Um, now, there, there's also personal hurdles of just being in your own head that you'll encounter when you're converting. So if you see somebody that you know that's not Catholic, that might be discerning, um, understand that they're probably very self-conscious about how they appear when they're in mass with the standing and sitting, not knowing the words to everything and whatnot, and straying away from judgment. And I'm pretty sure like, that's, that's a norm um, but I think a bigger obstacle is like being not necessarily awkward, but not showing, making the first step to invite people into community. I think if the first couple of times I went to the Catholic center, I was not spoken to by a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went and I didn't make any efforts myself. Um, I thought everyone there knew each other and this is prior to me making the concerted effort to enter into community, I would just be going to mass and it would be, you go, you hang out in the lobby a little bit, um, if there's like donuts or pancakes or whatever, but it was, I didn't feel welcomed in that instance. And I, looking back, I would have loved to have had someone reach out to me or come up to me and to show care or love for me. Um, and I think that goes back to what in Luke's gospel, Christ says, like, above all other things, you will know that someone is a disciple of mine by their love, um, love for the other or one another. And I think that that's the strongest evangelization tool. That's the strongest um, proof of our faith is living out a rightly ordered faith, showing love for one another and being there for them, showing genuine care because at the end of the day, even if you're not trying to convert someone, showing that you care for them um, will improve people's perceptions of Catholicism and will probably facilitate people coming into the faith because it's a wellspring for for what's true, good, and beautiful. Mm. So 
trying to exemplify that care for other people, I think is a, is a really good and easy to implement thing. Mm. If right now you talk to one in four people that you see at the Catholic Center, make that one in three or mm. three and a half, something like that. Mm. Now, I don't know how that, I don't know how the, the math works out. Um, me. Yeah, Marie's only half a It's Friday. Person. Our brains are fried. <laughs> um, but nudge yourself in the direction of inv- invitation. Invite people into your life and your community. Give the gift of yourself because that is very powerful, especially for somebody who's seeking that community, seeking that love, and seeking to enter into faith. Hmm. I mean, retweet. I agree with everything he said. Also, I think... Yeah, being welcoming to people, and I mean, I'm fully an introvert, and it takes a lot for me to want to walk up to somebody and start small talk. I would probably panic. Um, But if you're slightly less introverted, yeah, try that. Just be like, oh, I haven't seen you around. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Like, are you new? But also, um, I I think it would be really, really good if a lot of people in the Catholic community took a little bit of time to become a little bit more aware and educated about what other people think mm. or and have grown up hearing um i think there's a lot of um like misconceptions about a lot of protestant denominations and people that are you know quote unquote cradle catholics have been raised from um from birth being catholic don't always uh, understand the background that other people are coming from and don't always understand the struggles that that can can entail and the um, like what we've been told about things I think that yeah and maybe not (sighs) taking a minute to read about some or like learn about some protestant writers theologians they're not all evil they're not all stupid. Mm. Um, if you look through the hymnal, a lot of the most beautiful hymns are written by people that are not Catholic. Do they speak truth? Yes. Do they touch my heart in a beautiful way? Yes. Do we sing them in mass? Absolutely. Um, so people that are Protestant or are not necessarily stupid or heretical. They just might have a slightly different interpretation of things. And I think understanding that and not... Um, assuming the worst of all things Protestant can be a really good place to start. And it can be very unconscious, and I understand that. Um, but I think that that's a, a, would be a great start. And just maybe just listening sometimes. Just listening. Mm. Listening's great. Yeah. I'd like to um, double down on that. I think... A lot of the humor that I've engaged in personally, but I also hear at the Catholic Center and among Catholics in general, um, casts people that are of other faiths, particularly Protestants, um, some other faiths as well. But also there's certain sins that are um, the targets of humor and people that live sinful lives that might be considering or discerning coming into the faith, if they heard you ridiculing their current lifestyle, that's probably going to push them away from Christ and push them away from God. Um, Because there's a general perception outside of the Catholic world that Catholics are very judgmental Mm. and a little um, 
you know, they think very highly of themselves, a little bit of conceit. And I understand both sides, having been on both sides of the, the church, um, but keeping humor in check, knowing how what you're saying could be affecting somebody's perception of the faith. And, you know, if you had their circumstance, you would pr- probably be no different. Mm. Most Protestants were born and raised knowing nothing else, right? Most people that are living, making sinful choices, it's not because they've been presented with the full truth and choose against it, but they don't know better. So trying to be understanding and what Marie said, like listen to them, um, walk with them, because I think that's the most effective way to, to show love instead of being prideful or judgmental. It's really helpful. Thank you guys. Yeah, I know like in walking with, with you and your roommate and being one of the uh, teachers for RCA last semester, I learned like so much about the other faith backgrounds and yeah, I learned just as much as I feel like anyone who converts to Catholic Church like, also could learn. Um, yeah, and listening to people and not assuming what they think or that they just haven't thought about these questions before and the second you give them your answer they'll be completely satisfied but like allowing for nuance and allowing for genuine conversation yeah and then to Aiden's point about like welcoming people in really beautiful I think I heard Father Branson say once um that there's for either like deepening conversions or for people like coming into the Catholic Church from other places it's usually one of either like truth, goodness, beauty, or unity that like draws people in. Some people are just enthralled by like Catholic charities, Mother Teresa, goodness. Some people it's the community, the unity. Some people it's the truth, the doctors of the church. And then for other people, it is the other one, which is beauty. Um, you know, Catholic artists, the mass. And I feel like we kind of heard all four of those things in y'all's stories. Like Marie, you said something about the liturgy and how beautiful it was. Aiden, about the truth, both of you about the truth, the goodness, um, Aiden, when you set up people, like, love each other here, and then the unity of the community that you saw here. So, like, those four things, and following them in our lives, like, wherever they lead us, but truth, goodness, beauty, and unity. Um, is there anything else y'all would like to say before we just talk a little bit logistics? Become Catholic. Oh my gosh, Aiden. (laughs) What did you just say about nuance? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so... RCIA, Right of Christian Initiation for Adults. We uh, have classes every Sunday uh, at one o'clock. If you're interested in becoming Catholic or if you just have any questions, if you just want to sit and listen, um, feel free to come. You, if you miss the first class, which is this coming Sunday, which is September 18th? Yes. Is it Sunday? Yep. Um, that's the first class, but if you miss the first class, come to the third or the fourth or be like Aiden and join the semester late. Um, or miss almost every class for soccer. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't You'll do that. get yelled at. Don't do that. Sorry, <laughs> kids. Chastise heavily. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and if you have any questions about RCA, if you have any friends who are interested, um, tell them to come. I, it's not a commitment. Uh, you can just come and listen. You can talk to myself, to Renee, to Father Branson, to Aiden and Marie. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions at all, and for anyone who wants further resources, either because they're interested in Catholicism or if you want to better learn to walk with people, two books we have in our library that I would definitely recommend, uh, Rome Sweet Home, which is written by Scott Hahn, who's a Protestant who converted to Catholicism and is very smart, um, and Catholic and Christian uh, by Alan Schreck. Um, that Shrek. is... 
Yes, not spelled like the ogre. It has a... That'd be epic. CK, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm losing focus. You're good. Um, yeah, this both of these are written uh, with, like, heavily Protestant... Uh, like, the authors were formerly Protestant and understand the Protestant faith very well. So I think they're very, very helpful for anyone uh, who wants to ta- learn how to walk with people, especially people coming from a Protestant background or um, is curious about the Catholic Church themselves, I think the language used in these books uh, is very accessible to somebody who doesn't have the Catholic, cradle Catholic vocabulary. And then I think we brought up the catechism. It's kind of daunting, but it's Don't be actually pretty readable. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautifully written. It's very readable. It's, it's not like a legal organized. document. It's very organized. So yes. if you have a specific section or something you're interested in, you can find that very easily. And then, yeah, you don't have to and We have those in the library too um we have plenty of catechisms and then lastly i would say um new advent uh it has a lot of really beautiful old documents uh, from church fathers that you can read and also uh catholic answers has answered any question that you can think of and sunday the 25th of september we will be having a teaching mass here um on sunday 11 30 and 5 i believe Father Branson is just going to really slowly go through the Mass. Uh, I think both of y'all said it is kind of uncomfortable when you don't know the Mass and you feel kind of out of place, but most Catholics don't really know why they do what they do either. That's a generalization. Um, But it's really, really beautiful, even if you're a Catholic. And maybe someone's asked you to explain parts of the Mass before and you've been like, I don't know, everyone else does it. Um, So, yeah, highly recommend for uh, Catholics or people considering Catholicism to come to those teaching Masses, invite your friends. Um, yeah, fun fact, I used to say before I knew that there was Latin in the Mass for the Dona Nobis Pacem, I used to say Don't Ignore These Possums for like a year, <laughs> and I knew it wasn't right, because why would that be it? But I couldn't think of anything close. So we've all been in the awkward, Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> phase. I'm giving you my disappointed look right now. Yeah, so you can't see, but Marie's disappointed. And uh, Mackenzie, for anyone who maybe comes from a more kind of nominally catholic background or more secular background you know maybe these resources wouldn't so much fit them as like for a protestant yeah what would you recommend for someone like that i mean the gospels come to mind definitely um is there anything else maybe i would heavily recommend one of the best books i've ever written that explained religion Christianity Catholicism is The Religious Sense by Luigi Gisani. Mm. It is so good. It, it doesn't come from any faith background. Uh, the first book, The Religious Sense, just comes from a very human background, like what are humanity's desires. It doesn't presuppose any like religious belief, but it's just really honest and really just true. So it really changed the way I even explain religion to people, especially people who don't come from any religious background. I can't recommend The Religious Sense highly enough. It's also in our library. He has uh, two sequels. It's The Religious Sense, which is basic religiosity, and then uh, The Origin of the Christian Claim, which is how does Christianity answer these desires that we have. Again, he's coming at it just honestly looking at the human experience, not from any yeah uh, presupposed religious background. And the last one is why the church. So it kind of goes religiosity, Christianity, Catholicism. Really well written. Mere Christianity, which say. isn't a Catholic book, but is incredible. Um, and yeah, really, Mere really Christianity beautiful. by C.S. Lewis is one of the most concise and well-written um, books. Of just kind of thinking about why, 
why is Christianity a thing and what are the ba- like why do the basic tenets of it make sense? It was actually originally it wasn't written originally it was a it was a podcast if you will or a radio show that C.S. Lewis did during um, World War Two and so it goes down very easily because it was originally just spoken. So highly recommend that. Um, I can talk your ear off about C.S. Lewis, but I won't do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. If you like YouTube clips <laughs> or compilations. Um, this guy's actually a Protestant theologian, but he deals, I mean, most of the arguments for God's existence or for Christianity, um, are the same for Catholics and Protestants. So William Lane Craig, he has a lot of engagements with atheists. He's close with Bishop Barron. He's, um, yeah, he's a great guy for explaining complex and nuanced arguments in a very palatable form. So I would recommend, he's got a lot of like William Lane Craig destroys atheist compilations that are educational, but also very entertaining as well as long form stuff for formality. But I'd recommend looking at him in your free time. Yeah, plenty of good things. Reading books, 10 out of 10, like recommend. I feel like nothing quite impacts you as putting in like the time and effort to read a book. Um, but YouTube videos, I credit um, Father Mike Schmitz and Mark Hart and Matt Frad for like kind of my early conversion. There's so much good Catholic content on YouTube. There's also less good, but there's a lot of good. <laughs> so yeah, there's so much out there. You just have to put in the time and openness to look and listen. Awesome. Well. Cool. Rock and roll. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Again, if you have questions about RCIA, you can talk to Father Branson, Mackenzie, Renee. Uh, first class is this Sunday, correct? correct. Sunday the 18th, 18th, 1 o'clock in the basement. Father Branson's giving it. Be there if you're not Catholic. All right. Um, yeah. Okay, we're going to wrap up. Stay awesome, everyone. Bye, guys. episode about RCIA and um, yeah thank you to everyone who made that possible just a quick note the first class will probably have already happened by the time this is released but as Mackenzie said you're still welcome to join you can come to the second or third or even later Uh, yeah thanks for listening and keep an eye out for another podcast episode being released we're going to try to put at least something out every week uh, this semester and going forward. So yeah, look out for more content. Goodbye, everyone.